The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McMusic, and here to continue our set of season reviews tonight, we're going to talk about the inside linebacker position, and joining me for that is Jason Smith. Jason, how you doing? Doing very well, Ken. Thanks for having me on, and great group to, to talk about. Always a pleasure at Huddle It Up Films on Twitter slash X. If you want to follow him, he's got great draft content coming up. Uh, always selling. I, I talk to him about the draft uh, at least a couple times per year in terms oh, of, yeah. of stuff. And uh, let's talk a little inside linebacker position here. The Ravens uh, were healthy the season, which is a damn good thing because they were a committed nickel team playing two linebackers every snap. Yes, yes. And, um, it's a, it was a good look for the defense. It really was. It ended up working out really, really well. Um, two players that made the Pro Bowl, uh, all pro, and uh, they really relied and kind of ran their defense around that position in many ways. A uh, little minimal time. We'll be talking about Trenton Simpson, but minimal time in week 18, a little bit of cleanup time. Otherwise, you're the thing. And and the, the camp star, Delshawn Phillips, who – uh, was a terror uh, this summer and uh, played a huge role on special teams. Uh, uh, he played a little bit during the season, even a little more than Simpson did as a backup inside linebacker. Uh, but those are really the four guys we're going to talk about. Uh, a lot of people ask, what about Malik Harrison? We're going to talk about him with the outside linebackers. He's kind of reshaped his body, played almost exclusively on the edge this year. Uh, just really a couple snaps in that AFC championship game 
that you would call inside linebacker snaps. Uh, you, you may see him posted up somewhere else, but effectively, if he might have been off the line of scrimmage, that was because the Ravens had no edge on that play and he was uh, just a couple of yards off. So we'll leave him for the outside linebacker group. Uh, I guess the big other news is, is uh, or uh, graduating to be the defensive coordinator from the linebackers coach and, and how schematically that might affect the Ravens going forward. It's a huge, it's a huge question. And, um, you know, I, I love the Mike McDonald defense, obviously the results speak for itself, but, you know, just philosophically, when you went from a guy like Wink to Mike McDonald, the style of attack changed. And I was a big believer and even more so now that, you know, Wink's defense worked great against average teams, average quarterbacks. But when you went against the Mahomes, the Burroughs, the, the really smart quarterbacks, that you, you were playing with fire and you can't really try to out trick them as far as bringing numbers. Uh, you know, Mike McDonald's defense, obviously you're showing one thing doing another. So you are playing head games, but you're not sending major numbers. Blitz rates are much lower. And uh, so I think that Zach Orr will keep what will build upon what Mike McDonald has done. I don't expect this to be a, uh, like an old school wink or Rex Ryan type defense. So, so certainly at least two two elements there. We'll start with the you know sending numbers on the blitz. I think you're more. I think you're right. I think it, they're more likely to go with what they did in terms of the the fewer numbers that that are more uh, reminiscent of McDonald than Wink. I also think they'll keep the too high shell um, for the starting position. Rotate out of that and do things. You know what's great about the Ravens and the continuity of the Harbaugh era in general. And I know Harbaugh has his detractors, but um, you know, he hired all these guys and he's done a very good job of incorporation and having an organizational memory of things that worked. If you look at the offensive side of the ball, they did a good job of not tossing out all of Urban's run concepts. And Monken has kept some of those. And the Ravens continue to be the best running team in the NFL, even though they now run mostly out of 11 instead of 21 or 22 or 12 or whatever. Right. And th- that's what gives me confidence with Zach War, obviously. Losing Mike McDonald is is it's scary. You know, we don't know. And, you know, considering that how historical this defense was last year, I mean, it would be reasonable to expect us to take a step back, the Ravens on defense, just because it's hard to hit 400 past the month of April. Uh, as yep. a baseball reference for you, one that you've, you've brought up to me before. It was just a great year. But, you know, listening to Zach Orr and putting it together and something that he has emphasized many, many times is that, the defensive plan was a collaborative effort among that all-star coaching staff that they had. And he plans on keeping it that way. So if Zach Orr was involved in the game plan to begin with uh, week to week basis, sculpting game plan with Mike McDonald, I I don't see it changing, you know, night and day from one year to the next. I think they're going to have the same approach. Zach Orr mentioned that in his press conference. And, and again, when you have a, a linebacker like Roquan Smith, and uh, somebody, I believe, waiting in the wings in Trenton Simpson, who can do a lot of the things that Patrick Queen can do just from a stylistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think the defense will be pretty much the same. Um, you know, I think the big question, something I wanted to ask you about tonight is, do they go back to a dime defense or is this going to be a con- committed nickel team with two linebackers on the field all the time? We can we can toss that out right, right at the beginning. I think that that, um, you know, a couple of things about this. Zach Orr obviously came from a committed nickel defense under Pease with him being the committed part of the nickel, the weak side linebacker playing the extra downs. That would be one likely 
case that they would stick with a committed nickel scheme. And then, of course, just last year, the success of the committed nickel with those guys, I, I think almost like the fastball was pressure for Wink. I think the fastball for um, Orr is probably going to be starting with with a, a committed nickel. And if that doesn't work out, I think they could change it because we don't really know who Trent, Trenton Simpson is yet. And he's going to he's going to direct a lot of the traffic in terms of what they have to play this next year, whether it's they need a run stuffer to, to supplement what he does, whether they need a pass rusher to supplement what he does, even on some downs. Although I think that's the least likely of the cases or whether they they actually need a, a dime linebacker in there, whether they need a safety to come up and you know handle the coverage element because Simpson just isn't up to it. Uh, I think any of those at this point is is possible. I don't think we know enough yet, but Simpson, at least from his college background, his background at safety, I think brings more to the position from a coverage standpoint, likely than some of the other guys they've had in the past. I, I totally agree. I think I think you put it well, and that they're going to want to start as a committed nickel team. That's going to be their ideal goal, and they'll you know be able to pivot off of that if Simpson's not ready in in certain aspects of the game, but. He said, if it isn't broke, don't try to fix it. I think that they can replicate a lot of what they did last year on defense overall. Um, you know, the big the big key to me would be Matabike in the middle brings an element that it's it's hard to replace. Uh, he, he's kind of uh, he's kind of the missing link in there. I think you can he helps the edge rushers. You saw career years from Clowney and and Van Noy in the in the sack production and the pressure production, and uh, a big part of that is having Michael Pierce commanding yep. double teams and Travis Jones commanding double teams and, and Matabi gave wrecking shop in the middle. So stay strong up the middle. I think that that's, that was uh enforced things to the flat. Ken, uh, you know, just overall thought, Small it just ball. seems, it seems like that's where the league's going, you know, force things to the flat and let these linebackers and Kyle Hamilton clean up. And the Ravens did a great job of that last year. Kyle Hamilton is the ultimate weapon versus small ball offenses because he controls the strong side of the football field. He's an excellent tackler, block shedder, gets in the way of passes, tips him to himself for interceptions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's a lot of things he can do to help you there. But let's get back to the linebacker uh, in general and, and how they performed the 23 season. I think lost in what went down in terms of the Ravens kind of change of identity to be a allow a little bit more against the run and stop the pass in exchange. You know, the, the, the schematic choices that they made to stay too deep most of the time and dare the other team to run is the fact that I think the linebackers both had a pretty good years of run defense in terms of being quick to the ball. And they really had to be given they were facing a lot of 12 um, and and doing it with, uh, you know, what effectively is a committed nickel team that was usually too up front. Yes, exactly. I mean, the part of the Ravens philosophy of giving up some rushing yards to be able to defend the pass had to do with with those linebackers. And of course, the big guys up front, but we're focused on the linebackers here. And I have to throw Hamilton in there. But I mean, when you have Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton, that's a pretty heavy seven uh, in the in the box for considering seven. So uh, it allowed them to play the pass very, very well and still be able to maintain versus the run. And, and you, you mentioned, you know, the small ball that Kyle Hamilton takes away. Same thing with those outside runs, Ken, you run an outside run to his side. He's, he's blowing up any kind of wide receiver trying to block him and, and just tackling them. So the range of, of Roquan PQ and, and Kyle Hamilton allowed them to play the defense uh, a certain way. 
And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Trenton Simpson fits into all that next year if PQ does graduate and, and make the money that he's expected to make. Yeah. And I, I, I personally think that's extremely likely. Um, stick a percentage chance on it that he, that he, that he stays. How about that? I, I, I'm not going to say zero because that's just a bad answer, but uh, I would say I'll, I'll give it 20%. I, I don't, I don't really believe that number though. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was going to say five and then I wouldn't be off by more than five. Right. <laughs> you know I mean, Ken, just yeah. real quick here. Yeah. He's, you know, we talk about Lamar say, well, hey, Ro- Roquan brought back that Ray Lewis juice that we were missing. And, and you hear the whispers. It's who's the Ravens linebacker. It's Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. It's not Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Uh, somebody's going to look at PQ, see what a good player he's turned himself into and want him to lead their defense. And then from a personal standpoint, if you were Patrick Queen, would you want to be here and be the other guy? Or would you want to go take control of your own defense and start making your own legacy and, and, Oh, well, PQ wasn't good until Roquan came, you know, all that chatter that people have, whether it's correct or not, you want to put that to bed. So I think from a personal standpoint, you know, there's a good chance that Patrick Queen himself wants to go make a name for himself elsewhere and be the lead dog somewhere. I, I, I think that certainly is very reasonable. I think if it, all things being equal, I think if it were the same money, he'd be crazy not to stay in Baltimore and and continue to be the weak side linebacker. But that's not happening. I mean, you know, it just it, it, it obviously wouldn't happen. So if he's really looking to make about you know somewhere between sixty five and eighty million, let's say over the next four years, I think he's got to go somewhere else to do it. And I think that that there are a few teams that have some cap space and can can make that kind of a commitment. It, he probably would have to be the guy, and that would be the one question I would have. Is he really ready to lead the gap selection process the way Roquan has here since he arrived to stop the run in, in, in his new place? And and there it's, it's probably the area of his game where I think he's relied most on Roquan. I think he's become a good coverage guy, great downhill player all by himself, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, – in terms of of uh, you know that particular part of his game, I think that's probably the the, the weakest element he's still got left. And it, I mean, it's not like he's terrible there; he's okay. He's just I just don't think he's great yet. You know, it, I, I I can't pick on PQ at all. I think he he he's come such a long way, Ken, from yep. you know the discussions that we had a few years ago. And um, you know, it's just my opinion. I know that there are people listening that their priority would be to sign Patrick Queen and to keep that strength a strength. And, you know, if that's your opinion that, you know, you're very entitled to it and I respect it. I just personally, you know, with the money involved and again, the point that I made before, maybe Patrick Queen wants to go start his own legacy somewhere and is tired of hearing about how, you know, Roquan made him and, and this kind of thing. There's a good chance that he would, that he's confident in himself that he can be a Mike somewhere and, he doesn't care about it, what what anybody else says. So, uh, uh, you know, very very a lot of respect for Patrick Queen. Hats off to him. He's turned himself himself into a great linebacker. That's that's fair enough. And you know, no, no, don't want to diminish in any way his growth as a player over his four years because he's a pretty terrible player when he first joined the Ravens and and really looked like a a darn awful draft pick at that time. And I know, you know, part of not picking on the guy is not to talk about how bad he was, but I'm really not doing it to do that. I'm doing it to talk about how much he's improved as a player 
um, since that rookie year. Really, the second year wasn't a whole lot better either. So the the, the improvements he's shown has been very dramatic um, and, o- over the period. And, you know, another thing, tough player, Ken, n- never misses practice. You know, he's always in there, beat up, playing through stuff. So, you know, as much as, you know, I just go back in the discussions that we've had where we were so frustrated, especially in the coverage mm-hmm. and the, the missed tackles, um, some of the things that Patrick Queen has really come a long way on. Um, so, yes, much respect to the guy. If he's your favorite player and you're listening, I totally understand why. Great teammate, tough player. Um, I just, you know, as far as what what I think will happen, I don't think he's he's coming back. I, I would yeah. say I would say zero percent, but I, I want to give it, you know, that's kind of maybe an unreasonable answer. I would just that's why I threw the 20 out there. OK, well, 20, 20, you can't be off by more than 20. Five. I'm thinking I can't be off by more than five, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's really 14, and who knows? All right, let's let's keep going. Talk about the individual players a little bit. We'll talk about Roquan first, if that's all right. Uh, really well deserved All Pro nod. Uh, 92.3% of the snaps. He did sit out the finale against Pittsburgh. Had some. You know, the guy played through some nagging injuries. Was in a harness uh, for the latter part of the year, at least. Uh, so it's, it, he wasn't he wasn't playing unding the whole year. No, definitely not. And I, I, I think uh, you could tell, I, at least I, I felt like I could tell it was hard, a little bit harder for him to get off blocks uh, later in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uncharacteristic from the Roquan that we saw the last eight games or whatever it was last year. And then earlier in the season this year, he was hurt. He was definitely hurting. Um, and you never heard it. You know, it never really reflected in this play overall. But just a small thing that I noticed is, I thought that he stayed on blocks. You know, he was getting blocked a little bit more uh, down down the stretch. So as scary as it may sound uh, to the others, you know, he can play better, I think, even better than he played this year. But, man, um, you know, his missed tackle rate you have down here is, what, 6.7 missed tackle rate is excellent. And one thing, uh, you know, I mentioned or you mentioned earlier on the channel, uh, it's highlight season, released Roquan Smith's highlights, they're unbelievable like they were last year. But how good he was in coverage, Ken, and how many bass breakups and how he's always in the right spot. It was a play at Detroit where there was a breakdown at safety, and he's carrying a slot receiver all the way down the field, 40 yards. I mean, the man has some range. He doesn't look like he'd be the fastest guy, but he has got a lot of range and a very good coverage linebacker. Yeah, he was outstanding. That really showed up in some of the metrics that you'll see there. Uh, 7.0 yards per target is is okay. For inside linebackers, not great. Linebackers, by the way, if you don't know, since they face a lot of the check down passes to running backs, which have a very high completion percentage, typically give up a high completion rate. But usually it's short passes, and oftentimes they'll make downhill plays off of that. Roquan allowing seven yards per target. Uh, he he also got beat some where the Ravens are weakest with their too high shell, which means he's covering. Uh, for somebody who's for for a receiver that's between level two and three in in zone, and so oftentimes the way PFF does it anyway is they'll ascribe that target to the underneath player, which typically means that Roquan is going to pick up some targets where it was a really tough cover for him in zone defense to 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 get charged with that, but but it is what it is, and that's why you see a higher a dot figure for him. So his, his average depth of target was five point five, whereas Queens was much shorter, a three point eight. Um, a lot of Queen's responsibility was coming downhill on running backs and whatnot. Queen had a terrific 4.3 yards per target for the year. 
So if you relate those two, obviously, you, you, first thing you'd say is that it looks like Queen has been a much better coverage player. And and I I'm I guess what I would say is I think it's a little less obvious to me that that's true. Um, I think they were both very good. And, and, and you know, PFF graded them both very good. But, but I think that that uh, Roquan certainly had the more different, difficult coverage assignments and more total probably as well, because they used Queen a little bit more as a pass rusher. Absolutely. And, you know, Roquan will also be asked, in my opinion, I've seen it more. Like you said, Queen, uh, you're pretty much assigned to the running backs. A lot of plays, you could tell it's peak use responsibility is to follow all be all over the running backs, whereas Roquan had to take a deeper drop. A lot of times yep. in his drops. So, uh, you know, if you're taking away that intermediate pass over the middle of the field, they have to check down to a running back who happens to be in your area, you know, in between you and Patrick Queen and you get there first or however it's charged. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was great in coverage and he made a number of plays, uh, tip passes, defense passes and just deterring the quarterback from going to the middle of the field uh stuff that doesn't show up in the box score and forcing the ball somewhere else so i, I thought roquan did did excellent in the coverage yeah i'm i agree wholeheartedly and I, I you know sometimes it's a case of the defense is going to find your weakest spot anyway so they may try and go after you at certain places in 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 the case of um brandon stevens he's very heavily targeted this year I wouldn't take that to mean Brandon Stevens isn't the Ravens' best cornerback still. Um, but for whatever reason, they, they didn't go after Darby as much. Uh, I think that as the field is split, as I look from the quarterback's point of view here, it, it was typically it went too high. Williams on that uh, left side as the quarterback views it, the right side of the defense from the defense's point of view, and, and Hamilton or Stone on that right side more often. Now, not always. But I'd say that's the that was the more likely starting position of the two. Do you do you get the same from watching film? But like Brandon Stevens was over on the right side of the defense a lot by himself, mm-hmm. with just Marcus Williams behind him, and then of course Stone when Marcus Williams was out. But um, you know, I, I kind of wonder if like you know Kyle's presence on the on the on the on the strong side of the defense just yeah. made Brandon Stevens the easy target. And uh, I don't have the numbers for this. Maybe you do. But it seemed like Brandon Stevens was targeted a lot early in the season and less yeah. so and less so late. Yeah, absolutely. And he still was among the tops in the entire NFL. But at one point, he led the entire NFL um, in targets, and and he had a few less late. He was given up a few plays late in the season too, but uh, and and had a few penalties. But honestly, had a, had a great season. His development to me was was along with Linderbaum's pass blocking the single greatest improvement on the Ravens. That includes players like Matt Abike, you know, who had a breakout year and did a lot of things very well. Um, but but what Stevens and, and Linderbaum did in their respective individual things is just remarkable given where they where they started from. Yeah, kind, kind of lucked into it too because uh, I was kind of miffed when Harbaugh said Brandon Stevens going back to safety. Yeah. And I'm like, why the heck are we doing this? He just played – four or five outstanding games at the end of 2022 mm-hmm. at cornerback just to finish the season strong. And now we're going to move him back to safety again. And then, you know, luckily uh, our ball's vision didn't come true because we lost a lot of corners at the beginning of the season. And now Brandon Stevens is an established NFL corner. So uh ball lucked out on that one. I, I, I had a friend who would say, and you know, honestly, it, it circ- circumstances conspired for for that to 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 be starting, but Harbaugh should not be blamed for that. I mean, you know, it, it's it's under Harbaugh's general level of supervision, whatever you want to give him. 
uh, credit for with regard to the defensive backs or the management of the coaching staff or whatever you want to call it, that Brandon Stevens ends up as a starting right corner playing every snap. So if you're going to credit, if you're going to blame him for everything that goes wrong on the football field, then credit him for that as well, is all I'm saying. So, but I, I, I had a friend who used to say, I wish I didn't have to hope for circumstances to conspire for my manager to do the right thing as a baseball yes, thing back yes, in the time. And, and this is, this is, that's what you're talking about. I think that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now if we could only got Ben Cleveland at left guard, uh, those situations didn't conspire the right way, but. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, it, you know, there's something they may know more than we do for some, well, I'm sure they know more than we do, but, but they, they, they're privy to a lot of additional data points from practice that we are not. Uh, I just, I'm a little bothered by that part of Harbaugh as the dog housing of certain players that n- never seem to get out of it. I, I don't know if have you seen Ben Cleveland? I mean, the guy looks like an Adonis now. He's not, not the big fat guy who showed up after he got married. You know, he still probably only weighs about 15 pounds less, but he's, it's all muscle now. It's, it's transformed a lot, transformed a lot of that. And, uh, uh, I, I, I think he's going to get his chance next year. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he probably, probably will. But, uh, but yeah, Ken, sorry to sidetrack you there, but yeah, I, you know, the, the, the whole Brandon Stevens that, uh, we're going to move him back to safety as hard as it is to find outside corners. You know what I mean? Oh, it's that, that bothered it. And then why say it in the first place? Why even say it in the off season? Like just, just let, let her ride. And nobody even knows most of the time exactly where people are playing. You know, somebody puts it in the sun and says, yeah, he's been playing a lot at slot corner. They're even told, you know, writers are told not to give away information like that. Uh, And just, it's, you know, how, how do you make it, how do you make it happen? You ask someone at the podium, Hey, we've been seeing Brandon Stevens a lot on the outside. What have you been seeing there? Kind of thing. You put it on the public record like that, but if it don't, if it hasn't been done like that, you're, you're really not supposed to say anything about it. Right. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Roquan getting back to him for a second, really great diagnosing and coming downhill. And, and he was another of the really good reasons. Queen had a great year doing it, but Roquan did too. And Hamilton did too, in terms of really choking off that small ball game. And it's a great in division weapon against Joe Burrow in particular, because Joe Burrow's arm strength is not of the type that he can throw the ball, you know, I like an arrow, whatever that, that beats two safeties in the middle of the field. He has a real problem with windows closing on him for interceptions on deep balls. If the safeties are, are, are both watching the same movies, so if they're playing zone defense, you know, there's a, there's a real chance that the ball is going to get it. Sure enough, Stone had that big pick against him in the first game that helped win that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the way, you know, back to his run defense though, too, the way he presses the hole and is able to scrape and, mm-hmm. and stay disciplined in it, but also take educated guesses as to when this thing's breaking down. He's this running back is not cutting back into my gap. He's, you know, he's got a wide open gap to where he'll make plays in the other linebackers uh, territory as well. And um, I think that that also shows up his instincts as far as uh, the pass rushing. Like if he's I don't think I think sometimes he's not a quarterback spy because it'll be a, a pocket passer. But the way he's got a sense of when that quarterback's got to roll out. Okay, I need to stay in my zone. I need to stay in my zone. Okay, I can't let this quarterback just sit back there or else it's going to be a big trouble downfield. Let me go ahead and rush the quarterback and force his hand. Uh, just the little things, the the instincts that Roquan has in all aspects of the game 
run game and pass game just shows up all the time. Yeah, outstanding. You know, we saw some of the game situational awareness in the famous let the guy get up it with like 210 to go in the half, I think it was, of the game. Half of the game. Forget it. I think it was a half. I think it was a half. And yeah. regardless, it, it doesn't really matter. But, but, he, but he let the clock run down effectively to the two-minute warning um, at that point in, and just was one of the truly brilliant plays you'll ever see. And the great thing about that is, you know, now when Roquan calls for accountability in terms of game awareness out of the other players, they have to listen. Because he can point to this, this level three, you know, incredibly intellectual play, you know, awareness of football, high football IQ play, let's call it. Um, and then, you you know, if Flowers, for example, on the other side of the ball, it's not completely under the Roquan umbrella, but Roquan is perfectly able to go to over to Flowers in the locker room or even on the sideline and say something we need to. Uh, you know, made some not very smart plays as a rookie. Happens a lot. Not, you know, no, we're not throwing away Zay Flowers over this, but, you know, he scored once when he shouldn't have it when he got the first down. The Ravens had a chance to kneel the clock out. That's all they needed to do. Bad football play. Okay. And, and he went for a touchdown himself. That was a, that was the finisher at the Chargers. And then, uh, you know, he did what he did two different plays here at the end of this game. The first with the taunting, the second with the fumble. When if he had been a little bit more situationally aware, he would have realized, hold the ball in tight, just get the first down in that situation. It's it's nine-tenths of that value that I can harvest uh, there. But, you know, uh, it's it's the kind of thing that a, that a Roquan Smith now, you know, he's demonstrated on field in terms of his situational awareness. He's free to go to any of those players and have that conversation now. Talking, hey, look, I know you went to the touchdown. Let's, let's talk about this and what it means to play team football. Well, absolutely. And, you know, he's got the money to back it up. You know, he's paid. He's he's a Raven. He's got the play on the field, like you're saying, to back it up. Uh, and he's got the personality to be able to yeah. do it. So it's a it's the perfect mix of uh, where he's kind of a force multiplier of himself. There's you know, he's not a quiet guy who's, uh, you know, a paid leader. Uh, he, he's he's really got it all. He's really got it all from a, a teammate standpoint and you know, he's one of the rare guys, I think, that could connect to anybody on any group, any position group on the team. Uh, and even even Lamar, you know, to go up to Lamar and say, hey, Lamar, let's let's do this together. He's got that kind of respect and and cachet and he's just that kind of leader. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I certainly hope that Simpson is going to be able to um, follow Roquan's lead. You know, obviously, he's the most natural mentor possible. And by the way, a lot of times, well, I'm not this guy's mentor. He might be taking my job. Well, there's no danger in that in this case. Roquan Smith has already been paid. Uh, he, he's got pretty much all the money he'll ever need. I think we can we can fairly say that. But but even if he were to sign another contract sometime, it won't be Trenton Simpson who takes his job. Uh, Trenton Simpson, you know, being a better football player, I think can only benefit Roquan Smith and the ultimate prize of, of, of getting a ring at this point, um, a natural mentorship relationship there. I think, I think he has those natural leadership qualities and he can, he can hopefully have him go through the growing pains of adapting to the NFL and do it as quickly as is possible in a second year. I, I kind of feel strongly about this, Ken. So, I think Trenton Simpson is going to do more than fine next year. I think that there will be, of course, you know, first year starting, there's going to, he's going to make mistakes. You know, there's going to be, you know, he's not going to grade well every game, you know, for, for instance, but he has got a huge advantage over where Patrick Queen was in this point in his career 
uh, in his second year. Number one, he's got Roquan next to him. So uh, it's not the situation where, hey, Trenton Simpson, we're going to need you to be the mic of this team like they were asking Patrick Queen to do. Well, this isn't working. Let's bring Josh Bynes back in. Uh, all that uncertainty. Trenton Simpson is firmly going to be, you know, learning from Roquan. He has Roquan to take that responsibility at the linebacker room to lead that group. And then secondly, he had more college experience than PQ. Yeah. And I think his 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 coverage chops are better than what PQs were coming out. I think he's a better tackler than Patrick Queen was when he was coming out. A more sure tackler. I think he's got more hit power, uh, just as much range as Patrick Queen. Uh, so I think skill-wise, he's he's there. But most importantly, he's going to be entrenched next to somebody who can really take him under his wing. And, you know, to add to your point that you threw it to me on, uh, Roquan loves playing the game of football. It's very evident to him. Uh, winning is very important to him. Uh, his brothers on the team are very important to him. He's not the kind of guy that's going to be threatened by uh, Trenton Simpson. You know, he, he's going to want to help Trenton Simpson be – you know, the best linebacker duo in the NFL, just like they were last year. So, uh, you know, I, I, I liked what I saw from Trenton Simpson week 18 versus Pittsburgh caught up with that game of him is on my channel for anybody that wants to check it out. Um, but he's, he's very physically gifted. He's very willing tackler. We saw that on special teams, a very physical guy, uh, maybe a little undersized, but that's what you get from linebackers nowadays. Uh, you know, the big linebackers have kind of disappeared. Um, and I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be good for us next year, Ken. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, let's talk a little PQ, then we'll come back to Trenton Simpson because we're really reviewing the uh, the twenty three okay. season here. Um, but I, I agree. Now, let's see. Yeah, I thought I thought I remembered this, but Trenton Simpson lists currently at two hundred and thirty eight pounds. Are you buying that? So I'm not. <laughs> I think he's like I think he's lighter, but I I think he hits like a, a ton of bricks. He he's got that like build that just. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's got some power to him. I've seen people ascribe him as being too light or he needs to put on weight. And I don't, I don't really see it. I don't really see it. I think that he's going to be as physical as we've seen from Patrick queen. Uh, as far as I, like, he's not going to get dragged. You know what I mean? The Trenton Simpson is just not that kind of player. I saw enough of it in college. He's getting the best of contact and uh, saw it on special teams. Okay, back to Patrick Queen now for a second. Sorry to bring that up again, but uh, very solid fourth year for the Ravens here. Um, it, the coverage just an improvement of orders of magnitude from, you know, year three is kind of broken up for him, although he started to certainly play a lot better coverage last year. It was was there, we, we kind of were on him about the dropped interceptions, but the, the truth of the matter was he was getting in position to make plays on the football, which is that's all you can really ask. And hopefully, well, that's not all you can ask, but it's a big part of what you are asking for. And the fact that he wasn't able to convert those interceptions is disappointing, but at least it's, you know, gives you reason to hope that that second part is going to come along. Right. He was in the right spot. You have to be in the right spot to be able to get the interception. So that was a, that was a step up and, you know, uh, he was eventually able to settle down and, and, and finish those plays. So, uh, but yes, you know, uh, I think last year was a was a big, excuse me, 2022 was a big year for Patrick Queen. And then this past season, 2023, he just took off. Yeah, much, much better year. And I, I think, you know, one one thing we saw, the downhill play, just outstanding. 
Uh, we mentioned the, the, the 4.3 yard. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Parts per target, that's a terrific number. Uh, I, I don't know how close that is to the top of all linebackers because I always have to calculate yards per target by myself. So if I want to do it, I have to drop PFF's data out into a spreadsheet and screw around with it until I can I can get that. So I sometimes do that for, for corners and whatnot. But in this case, uh, it had to be near the top of, of all linebackers because it's, a, it's an outstanding number. Uh, and, you know, it is something that was not right about his game before was he was just a, a step slow reacting to that running back leaving the the, the frame of the pocket and uh, and being outside the outside the tackle box and you know presenting himself as a receiver and that's something I thought he was much better at this year. Absolutely, absolutely. They, they said there seemed to be games where that was just his main main priority. Like the Austin, he was all over Austin Eckler uh, when we played uh, the LA Chargers. Chargers. Right. It, it just. Uh, at the hint of him breaking out of the backfield, PQ was taking the correct angle and uh, just just very impressive player. I I, I think that uh, he's going to continue to get better. I don't I don't think that um, that this is his peak. Although I will say that when his career is done, you may I may have said this on your show. When his career is done, they'll look back at 2023 as his greatest year because everything was set up for him. So although he was, he'll become a better player in the future. 
it's hard to do better than uh, what he did this year. All you have to do is look at Roquan in his years prior to coming to Baltimore and fitting into Baltimore's structure. He's just, I mean, you look at the tape, there's a big difference between when he was playing for the Bears and and some of the inconsistency, but a lot of it was the lack of structure, trying to probably trying to do too much around players who clearly were not as good as him. And now coming into a framework where, you know, linemen are where they're supposed to be. And they're, they're actually able to hold off their blocks. And you have a Michael Pierce who can keep somebody from getting up to level two and, and getting a block on you because he holds his double team just a little bit longer. Um, just, a, just a great situation for him to come into, uh, along with the flexibility and the desire from a defensive coordinator to really keep him as the centerpiece of the defense. And that's a great that, thank you for saying it like that, because that's what I, what I was getting at with PQ is that, OK, he he's going to get better as a football player. He's still young. But yeah. what we saw in this structure, in this defense with Roquan Smith and the 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 way that they played together as a unit uh, was was really, really special. And Ken, we've seen this before as Ravens fans over the years with some of these Ray Lewis defenses, mm-hmm. uh, the way everybody would just do your job, how Jarrett Johnson knew exactly what he was supposed to do. And, you know, you put Jarrett Johnson on another team, he's not going to be Jarrett Johnson. You put Paul Kruger on another team, he's not going to be Paul Kruger. We've seen it. Adelius Thomas, these guys this year had a specific role and played it so, so well. And, um, you know, hopefully that this will translate and bleed into uh, 2024. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Completely agree. Um, you know, I guess if, if if we're talking about things that maybe didn't go perfectly, I don't know. There's a lot of point in doing this, but we're gonna we have to mention it when it goes to Patrick Queen. The one way in which he kind of hurt the Ravens this last year was was still having problems with tackling consistency. His had the tenth highest inside linebacker missed tackle rate at fourteen point six percent. So it's basically double Roquan's rate. Um, a lot of that to me is still lacking form as a tackler at this point in his career, which I find strange rather than bothersome at this point. I mean, it's his, first of all, it's, it's his problem going forward. It's going to take, it's going to follow him to the market and it might even affect what he gets paid. Um, you know, this, this winter, I hope not, but it might, because it's, it's definitely, you know, a weakness of Patrick queen. But I guess the, the other thing is, how can he have gotten to this point and not really like taking it upon himself to be a better form tackler than he is? He's still a lot of times trying to lay the hit as opposed to wrap up. That's what I see. I see, you know, he wants to lay the shoulder, lay the shoulder in knockout shot. And then the second part of that, I would say is he doesn't, he's not one to settle his feet at all, at all. Mm -hmm. Like he's coming in hot is the saying, saying goes. Uh, So when he does, miss he like he'll flat out miss if that linebacker puts or excuse me the ball carrier puts a late move on him he is not settled he's not slowing down chopping his feet and making sure tackle he wants to run through you uh and that that works that works against him that works against him so i don't know um you would think that that would have been i don't know you would you would figure that that was something that would settle down in him by now like like trying not to make an impression Hey, not sure. You know, he should feel like in this defense, he would have been comfortable. So I don't know. That might always be a part of him as a player. The guys playing on either side of him are certifiably hard hitting downhill players, meaning Roquan and Hamilton, uh, who still are great twisters at the at the point. They 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 grab and they twist and throw down. Matapike, same kind of tackling type. Mm. 
uh, in there. Obviously, has the has the the arm strength and and incredible uh, you know body torque and whatnot to do it. But uh, it just seems strange to me that that Patrick Queen has you know on a team that values tackling at such a high level, on a team that talks about it all the time, on a team where there's two great players playing next to him who both do it very well. Um, why he has not improved in that area? Yeah, I think that, again he, he's just trying to make too much like sometimes you got to take a single you know what i mean he's, he's trying to hit a home run he's trying to hit a home run so uh and it, it again uh you know sorry to bring up trenton simpson again but that's something that i think is a strong part of his game he's going to trenton now going to be a strong uh, tackler start us start us off in terms of i guess what you think trenton will be in 2024 because we didn't see too much from him in 23 i think he can handle a full-time being a full-time uh, linebacker and and allow them to be a committed nickel defense. I think he I think he can do it. Um, I think that Zach War, being a, a former linebacker himself, is going to want to do that. He's going to want to keep the linebacker on the field because he's a linebacker. Maybe that you know that's a little psychology there, but you know if you're a former linebacker, you have Denard Melton on the show. You know yeah. he's he's going to go to bat for his linebackers and and uh, and and so on and so forth. So. I think that he's going to be given the chance, and I think that he ultimately sticks on the field and is going to play close to 100% of the snaps for this team if he's if he's uh, healthy, of course. Well, that it, it's interesting to see. I'm I'm not willing to project for Trenton Simpson. I mean, I think there, there's some little trait based things we can see. We can go back to his play at Clemson certainly and talk about you know what he looked like there. Um, I just it's not clear to me he's ready for the full NFL workload. I, I'm not saying no. But I'm also not saying yes. Let me let me just put it that way. I, I think we don't know who this guy is. The most he's ever played in a single game is 26 snaps. And that was in the second half of that Pittsburgh game uh, coming in for, let's see, he came in for Queen. And then it turned out Phillips got hurt and Queen had to come back in the game. So he actually, Queen had to end up playing most of that game, which is uh, you know, unfortunate. The Ravens certainly didn't want to do it that way. Um, but but tra- he looked fantastic in that game. I, I can't specifically say that there weren't conditions in play that were maybe helping him in terms of, of, of the field or whatnot, maybe hurting him. Who knows? It's just, I, I don't think we have enough information yet to say that he will be any specific thing at the NFL level. I think he can be a specific thing at the and, NFL level. You know, to be clear, I, I'm guessing too, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not the, I would just say, I would, I have a feeling that he's going to be able to handle it. Uh, we don't have the, proper information of course but if you were to ask me what i expect next year i would expect him to if healthy we're going to stay a committed nickel team because i believe in him and i i thought that from the preseason to that uh well he he got some garbage time too uh throughout the season uh from then to that pittsburgh game he looked like a more disciplined player which is one of my problems that or knocks I had on him. The only real knock coming out of the draft was that he needed to straighten his GPS up. So he would be one of those players that tried to do too much uh, that would instead of staying in his gap and waiting for a cutback would, would follow the ball and then the cutbacks there and he's out of position and get burned. And we saw that a lot with PQ, but that last game against Pittsburgh, man, did he look, look very disciplined, stayed in his spot he was there for everything Pittsburgh was doing with the run game. And they, they of course, were a good running team um, when they committed to it with those two good backs. So, um, you know, obviously, no, I'm not saying that, you know, I have all this information and I'm con- clearly projecting him to be a every down linebacker. But if I had to guess, I would say 
I'm higher on him than probably most. And I think he's going to step in next year and do a good job and allow us to be a nickel team. Okay. Rank, rank for me this. You have three informational inputs on Trenton Simpson. And I want you to rank them in terms of order of importance of how, uh, how you would project him for the 2024 season. So number one is everything he did in college. So it's important information, but it's a little bit older and it's from college. The second one is all the snaps he played in preseason. And I'm actually kind of forgetting how much he played in the preseason. I'll look that up real quickly. Uh, I, I, I actually think he might have missed some time in the preseason, but uh, I will look it up really quickly here. And then number three is what he did essentially in that Pittsburgh game, because I don't think there's a lot to go on from before that. So, right. it's, uh, so it, uh, and I'm going to look how many preseason snaps he had. In terms of order of importance of those inputs, and he played 65 snaps in the preseason, okay, all in weeks two and three, he didn't play in week one. By the way, from looks of things in PFF, and I got to go back and see if this matches my score, he was terrible in week two and real good in, in the third game against Tampa. So uh, rank those inputs in terms of the importance to you. Okay, so I would say when it comes to the traits, I've seen the number one importance was his college work. So I know he's, I've seen his range. I know he's fast. I know what he is physically, right. basically by the college. But what's ultimately going to be most important is his, from his, from his neck up, uh, his, um, the mental part of the game, which is what I saw during the regular season from his progression, from what we saw in the preseason to the end of the game, that last Pittsburgh game is what sold me. Uh, okay. So I, I would say that that's what's most important because I saw a disciplined linebacker. I already knew he was fast. You know what I mean? I already knew he was athletic. I think he ran the 40 faster than Zay Flowers. I mean, he's 443. A, he's a, I don't know if Flowers was in that range. A tremendous physical specimen, 443 for a middle 238 middle oh, yeah. linebacker. Um, so, you know, that was part of the reason he was a second round grade. He was one of the last people I gave a second round grade to because uh, it's hard to find an athlete like that at the NFL level. And then, you know, you hear stories come from a military family, uh, you know, head down, hard worker. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're talking about like physically who he is, college, but the really what what I'm putting most stock in is how I saw him progress from preseason, which was rough, running himself out of position. The mm -hmm. first couple of, you know, I think he played six snaps the one game. He ran himself out of position three times in six snaps. Uh, so then he got better the last next time he was in garbage time. And then when he finally got steady playing time against Pittsburgh, like, man, he, he actually looks like he knows what he's doing here. And if, they, and if that's what kind of gives me hope for, for next year. Okay. So in season growth. So I, I, I would, what I heard from you though, you may have said, might've said something different in your own mind was that the college thing was still the m number one in terms of the importance of the input. What he did in at the regular season was number two, but that gives you a lot of information about his head as opposed to physicality, which you think you already knew before the college game. And then the, the, the preseason is the is the third or much lesser lower item on that list. I was, yes, I would say the most important to me would be what I saw week 18 to Pittsburgh, okay. really, really through the regular season. I, I, I think the college was important just from a – I know who he is physically. Like right. I've seen, I've seen who he is physically, but that only travels. So PQ was an excellent athlete too. And he really, really struggled when he came into the league. That game against Pittsburgh was a year three PQ type game. That, I would agree. I would agree. It's a great game. 
so so it's you know to me that's what's saying well wow this guy he's got a good head on his shoulders and a good feel for his responsibilities um and with Roquan next to him I don't see that changing if he was going to be there was no Roquan and you have to throw him at Mike then oh my goodness you know it's a huge question but to be next to Roquan I have a lot of uh, confidence in Trenton Simpson okay I as being who I am uh, as an actuary and whatnot, I can't put the 26 sna- snaps from week 18 ahead of his entire college career, but that's okay. Cause his college career is great. And you know, it's, he's got a lot of, a lot of positives to take from that. And honestly, some of the other things are necessary and maybe still not sufficient about his college, like the ability to use some of what his understanding of being a safety and seeing the game from that spot in that, in that um, uh, weak side linebacker spot. And I don't think we've seen enough nearly, to know that that's true from that Pittsburgh game as great as it, it was. So um, yeah, sometimes I, I, I know not to fall into that trap personally. And I'm, I'm not saying you're falling into the trap because you're, you're just making an honest evaluation of your judgments here, but I, 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 I'd like to not fall into that trap on offensive linemen where there's a lot of variation in week to week play. And so you, you, you'll often see somebody not going through, but when somebody starts to get it going for a number of consecutive games, like Daniel Falele did at the end of the year where he's playing all of a sudden at a C level when his entire career, he'd been, you know, literally like 0.25 lower on a zero to one scale for the, some of the rest of his career combined. So it's, it's uh, uh, just amazing to me when I, when I see that kind of a change, but I, I just, I have a hard time doing it for Simpson. I still don't think we exactly know, who he's going to be up a linebacker. I think I know who Zach Gore wants to make him into, but I, but I don't, I don't know that we know what he'll be yet. Yeah, we don't, we definitely don't, but I'm just taking my best guess. Then my best guess is I'm pretty confident in him. I, I really am. I, and for that fourth or third linebacker spot would like to have a, a veteran. Like if Delshawn can't come back, yeah. have somebody else that can play Mike, that can be the Josh Bynes of this defense and, and leave right. Simpson where he is all year. So uh, you know, to round out the group and to look forward. That's that's kind of how I would add to the group. Would would Delshawn be the guy you'd want at Mike then if that can't work out? Because De- Delshawn's basically been a will, but I, I kind of get the impression that he would be okay being put in either spot. Yeah, I, I did too. I I thought that uh, I thought he played well when and it, really it seemed like he was uh, Roquan's replacement, and where Trenton Simpson was Patrick Queen's replacement. Yeah, it's true. So, so for, for garbage time and whatnot, that, that was right. generally the way they're doing it. Yeah. All right. uh, let's talk about Phillips brief, briefly. He played 7%. Of the, and by the way, you know, I respect your judgment on this. I'm not banging on you for the, for the sample size issue, Jason. If there's anybody I'd want to come to and, and really understand, you know, what their thoughts were about a player, it's, it's, it'd be you. And, and that's. Uh, you know, no. And uh, I just wanted to make sure, like, I'm not coming across saying I know. I know, I know. I, I, I'm taking my best guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel like Zach's gonna want this to work, and I think that Trenton yeah. Simpson is gonna have the right attitude. And um, you know, I think that they'll work through his growing pains. Like I said, the very first thing he's gonna have is bad graded games. But I think they're gonna try to stick with him to keep their defensive system like it was this year. All right, let's move on and play. talk about Delshawn a little bit. He played 7% of the snaps during the regular season, an inside linebacker, by the way. The, the, the top two guys averaged something like 94.5% of snaps um, for the year. I had this in my notes earlier. What do we got here? Oh, Not only yeah. were you getting Pro Bowl level play, you were getting as much of it as they really could handle. It was yeah, garbage time. It, 
is basically every every snap except for garbage time and and one game off for for um, uh, Roquan against the Steelers. So it was everything. Um, Delshawn, I don't know that they really missed him during the postseason due to an injury, but it did force them to go back to Malik Harrison at inside linebacker very briefly. And we're not going to talk about him, but he played a couple snaps there during the AFC Championship game. And give up a punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm not a special teams expert, but it was right down the middle of the field. So um wonder if they missed him there on that. Yeah. It was a, it was a strange it was a really strange set of activations for that game, you know, bringing up Chizana for the one game and having him, I know he's a very fast guy. I know you want extra special teams guy, but that was almost like extra special teaming it. And you still have available if you want the possibility of, of coffin corner or direction of coffin corners. You know, that's an ancient right. term of course, but, but the directional punting where you punt the ball out of bounds, uh, you know, the old thing where who was it? Deshaun Jackson is the one who returned the punt on the last play. For the Eagles against the Giants, yeah, against the Giants, yeah. So he just punt the ball out of bounds, no matter what. And apparently they let up pressure on the play. The punter said, "You know, it, was, it wasn't my fault. You know, I had to kick the ball to to not let it be blocked in that way." And and right. uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I'm a big uh, my one of my pet peeves, uh, and this is a small one. John, John Harbaugh is not a John Harbaugh eight, but I feel like we do the short kickoff after we score. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like we'll always kick it deep. We'll kick it deep. But if we score a touchdown, we're going to try to get that extra 10 yards of field position or get the fumble. And it always seems like they've returned it to the 40 when, when we do that. It's just like the, what are you talking about with the coffin corner? It's just like, look, we got Justin Tucker kick it through the end zone. We got Jordan Stout, pit him against the sideline. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Ken. We got the Ravens defense. Let them start at the 25 instead of the 20. Let them start at the 25. Let's not play yeah. some any games. It's, it's uh, it, to me that it, it was one of the things. I mean, you can't even really pooch in the NFL now because the fair catch is allowed anywhere inside the 25, and you move out to the 25. Right. So, you, so it's I, I I guess if you if you fair catch it and then you fumble it and then you fall on it, it's there. It's not at the at the 25 yard line. Didn't I, think I of that. Right. I didn't think yeah. of that. But you that's. That has to be the case, though. That has, and that has to be the reason why you might ever not fair catch it on a high pooched kick like that. That's you know deep. Because you if you if you muff it and I recover it, I'm getting the ball right there, right? So, yeah. So you would have to if you recover it, you would have to take the ball right there where I would have got. I would think so. I would think so. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's what it is. I can't. Um, I like that. <laughs> uh Delshawn Phillips not resigned right now. And I, I don't think he is anyway. I don't think they signed him to a two-year deal last year, but he does seem like a guy who will stick with the Ravens as a um ooh, you know, multi-season, two-year at a time kind of deals linebacker. Slight bonus to the vet minimum, perhaps. Uh a guy who could potentially if he's on the second year of a deal, can pro- provide you with extra roster fungibility at the end. You know, that, that gives you that one extra player you can bring on the roster like Brent Urban does or Daryl Worley or players like that who, who uh, uh, you know, are, are, are good organizational players. They're vet men players and you can bring them back and uh, they're not going to they're not, they're not double cross you because they'll get a reputation for double crossing you. It's just that simple in the NFL. People act like, oh, well, anybody could sign him. Then. Well, no, then the player has to, you know, double cross the team and he'll probably never play for that team again. But also he'll get a reputation for having done that. 
Absolutely. And for all the reasons you just stated, I, I hope he comes back, you know, one, maybe at a one or two year deal, whatever. Um, that seems to me the kind of guy that could grow here as a special teams captain and, uh, you know, be a backup linebacker if you need him in a pinch and do a decent job there. And uh, they say maybe play the roster games with him as well. Um, you always need you, you always need a guy like that. Yep. Also agree. And he, and he is, he is exactly the type that the Ravens look for a guy who can provide them something and some flexibility, versatility, insertability on defense, and also be a four unit core special teams guy. He's Albert McClellan in, in that sense. Albert McClellan is incredibly versatile. I mean, he played a little bit of down line for the Ravens, even in that, in that first game of 2012 when Suggs was out. Right. Um, and then he, and then he, he, played some inside linebacker he played some outside linebacker certainly for the Ravens they played a whole lot of special teams so aside from these guys Ken looking ahead to 2024 I'm thinking undrafted uh, yeah. just fill the room up with another couple of undrafted guys where if they get claimed they don't make the roster it's no big deal but try to find your next Josh Ross type player who can uh, maybe stick maybe stick but uh, you know if you, you're basically rolling the next season uh, assuming Patrick Queen signs a lucrative deal somewhere else with, with uh, Roquan, uh, Delshawn Phillips, and, and Trenton Simpson, and an undrafted, undrafted rookies battling it out. So Ross never went to IR this year. So he's he's and he didn't meet the games requirement. So he's still technically a year two player next year. I think so. so. I, I looked up over to Cap and he was listed on that on that list. Um, so yeah, I think we have control over Josh Ross next year. Okay, and and, and for for effectively two more years as an ERFA and then an RFA year after that. So it's really three more years that they control them, 2024 20, through 26. So if they wanted Josh Rochdale to be the guy they could, there's not the need to reset the clock the way there there starts to be in year three, like like I think of it. Now, they, they could do it anyway because they might just find somebody they like a little better, and then four years is better than three under that circumstance. But they don't have to go out and you know use a seventh-round draft pick to draft an inside linebacker if there's another position they'd rather take a gamble at. Yeah, so I'm I'm showing free agency 2025 as an ERFA, Ken. Um, so That's team control. Basically, basically, we right. Basically, we would have him in 2025 as well. Then, right? No, 26 as well. He'd be an RFA in 26, and ERFA is a second or third year player. So it's it's he's he's a ERFA in 24 and 25. He'll be an RFA in 26, which means we have okay. to tender him. Yeah. So yeah, he's there if we want him. Yeah, he's there. There, he's there for the taking. If we want him, um, I, you know, if they were going to look for somebody, maybe a two-down guy from the UDFA ranks that they could they could stick on the practice squad, and maybe he works out. Sure, sure. I, you know, maybe that that's a plan, and I think also it it may be a good idea to to draft if we're going to draft someone to draft a strong safety. Yeah, um, to keep that position to where we can use Kyle Hamilton either at safety. Or, or or in the slot, I think it would really benefit the Ravens to have good depth, a good strong safety behind Kyle Hamilton when he's there, and a good slot corner behind Kyle Hamilton when he's there, like the world Millet had, to, believe, to be able to move Kyle around. So let's draft a safety, and if we need to go dime, we can do that too. You know, I, uh, look, I'm all for that, especially the strong safety is a guy who can move up and play dime, so you want that guy. I guess my question for you is, would you rather be a free safety? who's more natural on the back end and cover two probably is more natural to the rotational games. I thought Daryl Worley did an excellent job in the little bit of playing time he had 
uh, this year at it. I think he'd be more than adequate for, for the position. Uh, yeah. If uh, problem with Worley this year was he really couldn't stay healthy. Right. And I don't, I don't really have a, a preference. I think, uh, you know, obviously somebody who has a reputation as a free safety, it's going to cost more drive capital. Um, and I think Kyle could play free safety, but that's not what you want to do with him. You want him to be able to make plays. You don't want him roaming the back and not being targeted, right. like him be around the ball. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say if I had to, if I had to pick, I would say uh, get your, get your strong safety value. You know, okay. don't, don't, don't draft a free safety in the third round uh, because that's where they're going to have to go. Uh, you know, we're going to play a lot of split safety, a lot of shell, Um just get yourself somebody who can cover half the field. Yeah. And that, and, and that they certainly did it with Geno Stone, and they've done it in their history with lots of value in the sixth and sixth round primarily at safety. Seventh round also, Ralph Staten comes to mind as a guy. Um, don't know if he'd be perfect for what we're talking about, more of a classic hitter um, uh, who also had a few picks in his I mean, team. but look at Chuck Clark. Look at Chuck, you know, Chuck, Chuck Clark. Clark sixth, a great one. Yeah. Sixth round, great dimebacker. I think you've said he's had the best time linebacker season mm-hmm. in history. And yep. he can cover half the field. You don't want him in the post by himself back there, but he can certainly cover half the field and take that away. And I think that, you know, a fifth, sixth round pick uh, to, you know, instead of investing in a linebacker, get yourself a good, young, strong safety. What if Chuck Clark were to come available? Oh, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know. I, my, my own personal just, I don't know, like inclination would be that that's, that's over with. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe that's that's out of line. I have no idea, but I think that that I don't want to say burn bridge, but I think that relationship ran its course. They traded him. Obviously, I don't know. I, I, I did he ask to be traded? I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. He asked to be. He asked to be traded, but then decided to stay. And mentored Kyle, uh-huh. took the green dot. Kyle had to play in the slot. But like I, I don't I don't know and I I don't know what kind of deal he signed with the Jets but I I don't feel like he I feel like it was more than one year deal wasn't it Yeah I, I got to look at it was it just this last year I I have to go back I'm not remembering things the way I ought to uh, Either here. way though Ken I would say get yourself a young player it's going to be here for four years I I think he is released um, he's not showing as being signed right now so I think that the the, the Uh huh. No, it signed a three-year contract on, in 2020. I I don't think he's. I mean, he's only listed on OTC as as signed through 23. He says free agent to 2024 UFA. So I think the question is this: If he comes back under the Tony Jefferson method, where hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm a UFA or sorry, I'm a I'm a vet men guy. I'm happy to be here. I don't think there's a lot of demand for Chuck Clark at this point across the NFL. I think we can. I would love it. Yeah. I would love him. I say, you know, because he's a dependable guy and a tough yeah. guy, and he knows what the heck he is doing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was just, I don't know why, but I kind of feel like that's run its course. Okay. I don't know. I feel like there were some sour grapes there. Maybe I don't even have a specific reason, but, um, but yeah. Well, I mean, the the green dot has certainly passed on. He won't have that anymore. But, uh, but, uh, boy, I would love, were, I, I love that. Were match. there some things said, Ken? Am I? Where am I getting this from? Were there some I, things said when he left? I, I mean, there's there's always a lot of things said on the Twitterverse, on the boards, on whatnot that are about the player. 
that sometimes I can't exactly separate, but I don't, I don't remember there being tremendously bad blood over this. Um, They traded him. They kind of, they kind of, I knew they had to trade him in in, in some ways. They they thought they had to trade him. Um, And it it just, because he, because you know, from me being on how big of a Chuck Clark fan I was, how much he did on the all 22 that you couldn't see that where he was just always in position. And man, if he had to take a, uh, you know, of running back with a full head of steam and he wasn't in the right position, Chuck would put his head down and take that bullet and stop it right there. I mean, just a tremendously tough player. I love Chuck Clark. Um, so yeah, I, if he was willing to come back on a vet men, shoot, I'd be, I'd be right. I'd be right down with it. Yeah. All right. Outstanding. Jason, always a pleasure to talk football with you. I just, I, I love getting back together and obviously we let this run a little long, but that's because I just, you know, enjoy talking about all the elements we haven't been catching up on lately. Uh, let's yeah. make sure we do a handful of off season shows at least. And, and uh, uh, talk some draft, talk some Ravens history, talk some player development. And, you know, we'll be doing the two player series later on this, uh, uh, this year, but tell people where they can find your work on huddle up films or talk to you on Twitter. If they want to talk. Ball. Sure. Yeah. I add huddle up films on Twitter. And then uh, also just a, um, it's highlight season on my channel. So while I'm preparing for the draft uh, and getting all that together, I'm putting out one highlight a day, 7 PM every day on uh, a new Raven. So you can really start to see, uh, what made them tick? What made them a good player for the Ravens? Uh, as Ken will vouch, it's not a bunch of like crowd shots and celebration. It's more of a compilation of plays. Um, and it's not always, you know, their sacks and their interceptions and the, the big hits. It's the solid plays that they're making. So, uh, you know, Ken and I and, and a couple other guys were discussing the other day, uh, met a BK. And, you know, what a finisher he is, how good he is at finishing around the ball carrier, whether it's a, a quarterback or, um, you know, getting a quarterback hit, even if quarter, he's, he's touching, he's, he's, you know, he's a better finisher than some of our edge rushers are um, at just finishing the play. You can really pick up those kind of qualities from the video uh, to, to see what makes a player great and why they're in the NFL. So um, I hope you have fun. It's a tough, tough off season. Uh, I find myself getting down about what, how it ended. Um, and you know, I'd take a break and be like, man, I can't believe we lost that game. Um, but, uh, to get you through the off season, I definitely have some, some, some good videos up there. So, uh, please check it out and feel free to, uh, contact with me and interact with me on Twitter as well. All right. I uh, really appreciate having you on, Jason. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. Uh, any idea is a good idea. Hit, just hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'm always looking for new series ideas. If this is this is the time of year, if you have that four part special and somebody came to me about the evolution of football uh, and and that was just it was a it was a great four part series you could do about mostly about the rules of football and the changes there. Uh, that was a lot of fun to do. If you have that kind of a show in mind, this is the time for it. Off season is is the ideal time. Uh, please hit me up. And, and if you'd like to do talk about a specific player in Ravens history who you remember fondly, who isn't one of the Ravens all-time greats in particular. Love to talk about that. That'll be a new series that we have coming up. I'll, I'll put out more details on that, but if you have a player in mind, I'll get you on the list early so nobody else takes your guy. That's a good uh, one. That's a good yeah. one. It'd be a lot of fun. Like, I mean, I mentioned Jared Johnson. That, that, that mean, I would have. Should I, I put you down for Jared Johnson right now? Jared Johnson, Kelly Gregg, uh, Derek Mason. Well, I guess he's kind of a great, but I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. There's a, there's a lot of really good Ravens out there. Yeah. Pick pick that guy you want to advocate for as 
your favorite second tier Raven. And I want to, I want to hear from you about it anyway, Jason really appreciate you coming on again. Hey, thank you, Ken football's family. Appreciate everybody out there too. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.